There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, November 3rd. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the governor and Republican leaders in the legislature celebrate after a special session paves the way for a new economic development project. Then lawmakers across the aisle push for action as the state faces a number of health and welfare challenges. Plus, how Mississippi school superintendents are responding to a growing wave of violence. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. is open for business and that is the message that was sent to every job creator in America today Mississippi is open for business Governor Tate Reeves stood in the Capitol Rotunda yesterday, flanked by the Lieutenant Governor and Speaker of the House. He announced the results of a special session he had called mere days earlier It's a great day to be a Mississippian Um, It's a great day Uh, for the efforts of the men and women of the Mississippi House of Representatives and the Mississippi Senate uh, who came in and very quickly passed uh, legislation to enact the biggest economic development project in Mississippi history. You know, I've said a lot of times over the last five or six days that in Mississippi, we do job creation and we do economic development on a bipartisan basis. And what you saw today with a a vote of 40 to 0 in the Senate and 105 to 5 in the Mississippi House is that that is continuing to be the case. We had people across every geographic region of our state, uh, legislators, Um, of every political persuasion say this deal makes sense for the taxpayers of this great state and I appreciate every single one of the individuals that are standing behind me uh, who represent uh, 122 members of the House and 52 members of the Senate who did what was right for their constituents. That legislation included two appropriation bills and one bond bill to support the project. The entire process was completed in a matter of hours. House Speaker Philip Gunn says the expediency reflects the state's business-friendly attitude. We have a tremendous economic development going into northeast Mississippi today. 
It's going to transform that region, and it's going to provide jobs and economic prosperity for our entire state, not just that region. So I'm very proud of the role that we in the House of Representatives could play in that part. I want to commend my House members for being here today, for listening intently, for asking questions, for understanding this project, and then choosing to vote to support it. And behind me here, we have legislators, both House and Senate, who uh, embrace this project, work hard to make sure that it gets passed. We look forward to uh, what the future holds with this company. And I agree with what Delbert said. We welcome you to Mississippi, and we welcome anybody else who is looking to move their company to our state. We are open for business. And I think today demonstrates the fact that we in the, in the legislature are uh, eager to work with anyone who's interested in coming to this state. Some details, like the identity of the company, were blocked during the legislative process due to non-disclosure agreements. It was later revealed that the $2.5 billion investment is being made by Steel Dynamics. Governor Reeves says they are familiar with Mississippi, and that was a major factor in developing this deal. The company uh, has had operations in Mississippi for many years. Uh, they are a fantastic employer in the Golden Triangle today. Uh, they came out with this plan to do three different projects, and they announced that sometime in late July. Uh, when we looked at it and we talked to Joe Max and his team, um, we made a decision that we appreciated that they were going to do three separate individual projects. We just felt like we ought to win all three of them. And, um, and we went to work to do exactly that, and we sat down with the the companies and their representatives, and we have very good relationships, particularly at the local level, um, very good relationships with the, um, with the leadership team of that company. And look, there's a lot of people who deserve credit for this, and, and we've joked a lot about it today. But do not forget the men and women who are current employees of Steel Dynamics in the Golden Triangle, because this company would not be investing $2.5 billion were it not for the fact that Mississippians show up to their existing plant every single day and they work and they produce. And, and that's really what it's all about. You know, the incentives that we pass today are incredibly important and we know that. But the workforce that can produce their product and the speed to market are two incredibly important reasons why we won this project. And, um, and while we're going to, by the way, win a lot of projects in the future. While the measure passed with bipartisan support, the nature of the special session did draw some criticism. Coming up, lawmakers across the aisle push for action as the state faces a number of health and welfare challenges. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The $2.5 billion economic development project the state legislature greenlit yesterday passed with bipartisan support. Democratic leaders in the House and Senate say they are supportive of bringing that level of investment to the state. But they also use the opportunity to highlight the priorities that are being overlooked. House Minority Leader Robert Johnson of Natchez spoke on the steps of the Capitol and highlighted the many health care challenges that have been put on the back burner. We fully support and are excited for the Northeast Mississippi area and their economic development opportunity and the number of jobs and and economic boosts that this new venture will bring to the state. But when the governor announced a special session on his social media accounts, he boasted that Mississippi is on fire. Well, he's right, but not in the way he thinks. Since we Last gathered as a legislature in this building, our state's long-ignored health care troubles have reached a crisis point, an absolute state of emergency. The state's only burn center has closed. The only neonatal intensive care unit in the Delta has closed. A Jackson hospital that serves rural portions of Hines County is reducing critical services to stay afloat. Greenwood LaFleur Hospital itself is on life support, staying open only with the help of the city and county putting up money to keep it from closing its doors for good. This is after they asked the governor to call a special session to help them. Just last month, our state health officer, Dr. Dan Itney, told the governor's appointed board of health that he knows of at least six Mississippi hospitals that are in significant dire circumstances and that no one's coming to the rescue. Countless other medical and business experts in this state, including the president of the Mississippi Hospital Association, are desperately sounding alarm that our hospital are in crisis. In the wake of the Dobbs decision, the Department of Health is projecting an additional 5,000 unplanned births per year, and we were once again named the deadliest place for a baby to be born as our infant mortality continues to be the highest in the country. These converging crises come at an enormous cost, so many Mississippians are suffering and dying. But none of these things, despite being matters of literal life and death, compel the governor to call a special session. So what compel him to bring us back to Jackson? A victory lap being portrayed publicly as an emergency, but this feels a lot more like a campaign event, a political pep rally than public service. Now we support economic development, but that's what this feels like here. Johnson says Republican policies have had years to generate economic investments in the state, but nothing has been done to address the fragile hospital system. For years, this same governor has worked to assure Mississippians that the hundreds of millions in corporate tax cuts he championed would attract world-class corporations to our state. But apparently, those tax cuts alone weren't, weren't quite enough. We need to give away even more millions in public taxpayer dollars. Meanwhile, our health care system is crumbling. No one here is arguing that economic development isn't a good thing. We applaud the Lowndes County area. We applaud what's happening there. We support it. We'll vote for it. But while we are in this building facing a crisis that affects each and every Mississippian, we should talk about solutions. It would be malpractice as a legislature to walk out of here at the height of this crisis without passing some legislation that would begin to address the myriad issues facing our state's health care system. 
Senate Minority Leader Derek Simmons is from Greenville. Its local hospital is one of the many in the state that has had to reduce services due to financial challenges. He says one-way lawmakers and elected officials could demonstrate a commitment to economic development is through Medicaid expansion. Imagine how else we could have spent millions of dollars. Imagine how many lives we could have saved. Imagine how many hospitals and jobs and livelihoods we could save with that money. But this decision to rush to Jackson for economic development is especially unbelievable when you think about the impact Medicaid expansion would have on our economy. If Republicans want to talk about economic development, let's talk about it. According to the state economists, Medicaid expansion would more than pay for itself and create more than 10,000 jobs annually over multiple years. And that's to say nothing of the jobs it will save. Hospitals closing doesn't mean Mississippians will have to meet. That simply means Mississippians will have to travel further to see a doctor and get the emergency care that they need. It means that Mississippians are losing their jobs as well. Greenwood LaFleur Hospital employs more than 600 people. This project we were summoned to Jackson for is, in fact, something that Representative Johnson and all the Democrats up here said that we will support. But we also support saving rural hospitals and saving the jobs that are in our rural hospitals. Those jobs that hardworking Mississippians continue to lose as hospitals close are the things that we should be considering in a special session as well. During his celebratory conference, Reeves acknowledged the points made by Democrats, but intimated the special session was vital to closing the deal. I appreciate the fact that job creation and economic development is a bipartisan sport in Mississippi. I appreciate the fact that it is a team sport in Mississippi. And I'll just tell you that if, if the... Um, if the worst that we hear today is this is a really, really, really great project and a really, really great day for Mississippi, but I wish we'd do all these other things, and that's a pretty daggum good day uh, for all of us. And so, look, there are other items that are important. There's no question about that. There are other items uh, that we will continue to address. Um, but as you know, I have been very reluctant to call special sessions. Um, speed to market is really important when it comes to a project such as this, uh, and when you have the potential for a thousand jobs at a, nearly a hundred thousand dollars a year and you have the potential of two and a half billion dollars in capital investment which is twice as large as the largest capital investment project ever in the history of the state before us um, this this rose to that level the regular legislative session begins in january coming up how mississippi school superintendents are responding to a growing wave of violence in schools this is mississippi edition on mpb think radio when you look at your vehicle think of mpb need to get rid of your ride donate it by calling 877 mpb the number four car need to have some work done on your truck listen to autocorrect thursdays at 10 saturdays at 11 an MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together.
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. In the wake of a number of recent mass shootings, Mississippi school leaders are taking a closer look at school safety. The Mississippi Association of School Superintendents, or MASS, held a series of conferences this week to address the growing unease surrounding the issue. Philip Birchfield is the executive director and a retired superintendent of the Clinton Public School District. He shares what the group is doing to help districts more effectively plan for and address safety concerns. Random acts of violence are are things that we're all dealing with now, and certainly public schools are haven't been excluded from that. And we just felt like it, the time was right for us to uh, revisit uh, the opportunities that that uh, have been uh, so uh, prevalent here in our nation, and uh, maybe trying to get our school districts across the state to start putting things in place to uh, be prepared in case an event would happen in their school district. As you mentioned, threats of violence are not new in schools and colleges. Why is it different now? Has anything changed? You know, the whys, we don't know. I think uh, that's something that uh, we as a uh, country need to start identifying those uh, individuals in our country that um, have uh, potential mental health issues that would allow them to do something like this. I think the earlier that we do this in time, as far as the maturity level of our kids, uh, the better off we're going to be as a country. What are you hearing from superintendents? What are their concerns? They they feel the same way. Back earlier um, in the 90s when it first started, it was not very prevalent. Uh, it went to a uh, position of, gosh, that's something that's just happened, but nobody ever dreamed that uh, it would be to a point where it is today. Uh, early 2000s, we were just praying that it didn't happen to our school district. Uh, now, um, uh, praying and hoping and that, that it doesn't happen, I think, is, is, a, is a reality. But still, uh, we need to start putting some things in place uh, to make sure that if and when it does happen, that, that we handle that event in, a, in the right right manner. Now, you said start to put things into place. Are schools already doing that? A lot of schools are already doing that. Um, I think the ones that are forward thinking um, are are doing that. Uh, There are some that, because of the resources, uh, are not uh, not really looking at it. Uh, and, And quite honestly, you know, something will happen and then we our attention focuses on uh, trying to do something. And then as we get uh, a month, two months, three months, six months, a year off, uh, we're busy doing some other things. And and while school security and childhood safety 
uh, is a is certainly a priority. Uh, we get tied up doing some other things, and and it goes back on the back burner again. And all we're trying to do is is okay. This has happened in our country. Uh, it's happened in our neighboring state of uh, Texas, and we need to be prepared for that day. Well, now that we're in a situation where there is more violence taking place inside the school and outside the school, is this the time where across the state all school districts need to have some mandatory measures in place regardless of the district that these are the things that we're going to do across the state to ensure that every school has doors that lock sufficiently lock and someone just can't get in and other safety measures that are consistent i think the time i think the time is here you know we are dealing with people (laughs) and one of the things that uh, you would like to guarantee and say 100 percent that it it, that that people are going to follow the rules and 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 follow the protocol and follow the guidelines but that time is here, and it is my hopes that districts have had that conversation with their their faculty and staff, uh, and that the, that the kids that come to school late know that they're not going to get in to an exit that they used to get into because the doors will be locked for their protection. And in terms of mental health, you did raise that issue, that concern. What is the state of providing mental health to students when there's an issue? How readily available is someone on site to help a student? Most of our counselors are academic, and, you know, they're going to make sure that kids can uh, are on track to graduate. Uh, there, are, there is some time that uh, is there in which uh, uh, a kid that seems to be struggling either in school or at home uh, can go see a counselor. Uh, those those processes are in place. Uh, there are, um, you know, local uh, counselors that are privately that are outside the uh, the area of the school, and if a if a if a kid is identified as one that is struggling then I think the resources are there to provide that individual help that maybe a uh, school district is not prepared to handle. You know, we do we do pretty good in, in the area of school and academics, but sometimes the level in which some of these kids need some help, uh, we're not prepared to offer that. So we've got to reach out and find uh, individuals in our communities uh, either locally or at the state level that can provide some of that service as far as. And then that's gonna that's a, an additional cost. That's correct. And right now, can districts afford that? Uh, resources are limited. It, it some some have them and and some struggle with that. Ultimately, what came out of your discussions with superintendents that can be beneficial? to keeping students, teachers, and staff safe in in school? Well, the the first thing that I, I think is, is 
beneficial is is that we've got to understand um, and not that we we don't school safety children's safety is a priority uh, for uh, for our districts for our parents uh, we need to make sure that uh, kids who leave their homes in the morning uh, are able to go home that afternoon and that's mainly what um, parents want. Uh, they may not have been 100% successful in the classroom that day but they want to see them at the end of the day and we as school districts need to provide whatever uh, protocols, whatever guidelines uh, that we can to make sure that that happens. All right, Dr. Philip Birchfield with the Mississippi Association of School Superintendents, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and the information that came out of this conference that you uh, were involved in putting together. We appreciate your time. Thank you, ma'am. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.